Well, good morning, visionary friends, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous. And somebody needs to press star one to mute. And this is a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kelly S. That's with an E-Y. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, June 27, 2019. So today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 36, second paragraph. Suddenly the thought crossed my mind. And we'd be reading and commenting on just that one paragraph. So today's readers for the 12 Steps, Panina L., 12 Traditions, Robin B., Readers of the text, Marie J., Liz V., and Vinny T., newcomer greeter today, Naomi B., and our second hour host, Sandy W. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, June 26th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 13083, 13083, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 13084-13084. So let's see our OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I will now ask Panina L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Panina. Press star one, Panina. Dina, are you there? Yes. Hi, can you hear me now? I can, thank you. Okay. Uh, One second. Here we go. Um, Hi, Panina L. from South Florida. Thankfully, by the grace of God, recovered. Um, Twelve steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to make personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve on our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for a knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, 
As a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you for your service, Panina. Um, next, I will have Robin V. Read 12 Traditions. Good morning, Robin. Robin, press star one. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Hi, Kelly. Thank you for your service. Hi. Hi, and this is Robin V. Grateful and recovered in Massachusetts. Um, the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a, is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you for your service, Robin B. Okay, so here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There's no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in this big book mean to us. So to share, you will press star one to unmute. And when you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then you're gonna press star one to mute your phone again. So in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we are resuming our study in the big book. We're on page 36. We're on the second paragraph there that says, suddenly the thought crossed my mind. And we're just going to be reading and commenting on that one paragraph. And Marie J. will get us going. Good morning, Marie. Good morning, Kelly. Thanks. Um, This is Marie J. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Suddenly the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed that I was not being any too smart, 
I felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk. That didn't seem to bother me, so I tried another. So this is, this is about the craziness of our uh, mental twist, you know, the mental twist that's a part of this disease. I had heard early in recovery that relapse takes place long before I actually put the food in my mouth, that something happens in my mind, and, and it's just flat out insane, and that's what leads to eating. And no matter how much I tried to figure out why, I couldn't make sense of that thinking that led to me binging. Because once I took one bite, that was it. And then the subsequent remorse and the hopelessness that I felt at not being able to, to understand why I did this. And for me, it always comes down to the fact that I just think I can control this. I just want to be in charge. I want to eat like a normal person. And I think that if I try hard enough, I can control my eating. And so this is for me, the crux of the disease, thinking, the thinking, the thinking that I can be in control. And early on for me in recovery, I thought if I could figure out why I eat and why I can't stop, if I could just figure it out, I could fix it. But why is irrelevant. Trying to figure out why is a part of this disease for me. And it's going to get me exactly nowhere because there's no answer to why. I'm a compulsive overeater, and that's enough. There's no controlling this with myself and my own power. My power doesn't work. I can't control my eating, and why is irrelevant. So once I accept that powerlessness, which is our first step, I have to find the power that can be in charge, this power that's greater than me, and that's step two. But that relationship has to be, I have to find a relationship that's unique for me, that is my personal relationship. Everybody has to find what they believe in, what they can connect to, because this is completely personal. And I think it's the hardest and the most vital step that we take, because I can't surrender to something that I don't completely have faith in and that I don't completely trust. And it takes time and it takes continued effort. And I continue to develop that relationship and that understanding that leads to trusting to let go of my control. So I have to also be really kind and gentle and tolerant with myself and my own process and also keep my, my head out of this idea that, that my notion of this power has to match someone else. You know, everyone has their unique relationship. And really all it came down to for me was getting out of my own way and being willing. You know, sometimes I just make it too hard, this business of having a relationship with the power and trying to make it look like yours. I just have to be willing and sincere and have regular practice. And it just comes because the power lives in me. Time. And I just need to let loose of the reins and let that power be in charge. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Marie J., for getting us started. So uh, if you have not shared in the last couple days and would like to share on the paragraph that was just read, give me your first name and the first initial of your last name. What the? I got my pen ready. I'm ready. 
Yes. <laughs> what is it, Kiara? Amy G. from Maryland. Yep. Judith R. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, is there a, a uh, Kiara? I thought I heard somebody named yes, Kiara. Yes, Kiara Z. Okay. Kiara Z as in zebra. Kiara. Amy G. I got Bonnie you, Amy. G. Sorry. Oh, thanks. There was a male voice. I couldn't understand your name. Duke. Duke. Duke, what's yes. your last name or initial? R. 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 Got Okay. Sandra S. Sandra S. Donna G. Okay, Donna, we'll stop with you. Perfect. We all were so nice and taking your time. Okay, so here's the lineup I have. Janice PM, Kiara Z, Amy G, Judith R, Dugar, Sandra S, and Donna G. Make sure you guys are uh, muted, pressing star one. We'll get started with Janice PM followed by Kiara. Good morning, Janice. And good morning to you, Kelly S., and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice P.M., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Um, yeah, and of course, um, you know, those of us that do know, when it's written in, in the squiggly writing, you know, watch it. Very, very important. And, uh, yeah, can I identify with this um, in my compulsive overeating? Yeah, you know, no matter how much... Um, intelligence I do have or I don't have, but mostly that I do have, that insane idea, that insane idea um, comes into my mind when it has to do with certain substances uh, that are involved. Uh, We become, I become strangely insane. I know it's strong language, but isn't it? Yes, Knowledge doesn't help. Now, he's completely sober here, but all of a sudden that thought, the thought, my thinking crossed my mind because everything comes, all thoughts come from the mind. So now the first thing he, he does is he thinks. He, he His thinking comes in the way, and he then he justifies. He rationalizes, and it's pretty, you know, it's it's not a lie. I really think that way. I mean, you know, <laughs> I thought that, gee, that's what it, that that's okay if I do it this way, if I, you know, freeze half a dozen and, you know, whatever reasoning, there, there's so many reasons I could have in justification and rationalization. That's the bottom line for me because of my self-righteous and what I want. So I have the thought. Then I make a decision. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't sound too bad. I can put it. I can use this uh, sugar if it's fifth or sixth. You know, uh, I'll just not even look at the not even look at the um, ingredients or whatever rationalization I have. And then what happens after the thought, after the decision, and then comes my action, and I pick it up because I really believe it's okay. I really do. So you see, it's a curious mental phenomenon, sound reasoning. What does that mean? It's insane. It's insane to think that this time is going to be different, or it's okay if it's in milk. You know, that that's it's not like really straight alcohol or straight sugar. You know, there's this whatever ingredient it is. So, yeah, it's um, all about his powerlessness. It doesn't matter if he's abstinent because he is abstinent, supposedly. and uh, But the thought can come just like that, 
and then I make that decision, and then I act upon it because I have no mental defense. And then what happens? That sets up the allergy, and you know the rest of the story. And, um, you know, thinking that I was smart, you know, reasoning, reassured. I'm reassured and I'm self-deceiving myself. Time, please. And that will be the end. Pass. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Janice PM. Next up, Kiara Z, followed by Amy G. Kiara, is it Z, as in zebra? Yes, C with a zebra and initial V as in Victor. Hi, this is Kiara V. I'm recovered compulsive overeater in Oxford, UK. I love, I love this part of the big book. Um, it is one of the personal stories um, that really stuck in my mind the first time I read the book. Um, there was some humor in it as well. I think Bill W. There is something about his writing that sometimes I find quite humorous, and this idea that. You know, to pour whiskey and milk um, to me sounds absolutely insane. But yet again, I do the same thing, just with a different substance. And um, this time around, working the steps in OA, um, the insanity, you know, this is a progressive disease. The insanity looked different, you know. And the lies I'm telling myself, the problem is that I believed them. And some of them were, oh, it's just a vegetable. Oh, it is low calorie. Oh, I'm having it, you know, in company. Um, you know, all the all the lies I tell myself while at the same time completely forgetting the devastating consequences of that first bite. Um, and the point also highlighted so many times in the big book that self-knowledge away does nothing. So even though I have an allergy, um, that doesn't keep me from picking up again and believing um, the the insane ideas that come into my mind, the mental twist I suffer from, and that the only thing between me and that first bite is something spiritual. And of course, I struggle with that. I want to be in control. I struggle with trusting a higher power. And um, I loved what the reader shared around... Um, Uh, well, what stood out for me was trust. And the other thing is um, consistency or commitment to to build that relationship with a higher power. Um, There are days where I feel not connected. Um, And my sponsor lovingly pointed out that that is just arrogance. And I thought, how is this arrogance? Um, But it is expecting that I feel a certain way and always feel connected and, and that kind of intense yeah, connection with my higher power, and, and often I don't. Um, but the point is, I need to do the action to stay in that connection, um, and no matter how I feel. And, um, yeah, I leave it there. I'm so grateful for all of you making my recovery possible here in the UK, and for the consistency to have a reading every day. And, uh yeah. That's it. I live with that. Thank you. Thank you so much for your share, Kiara. Next up, Amy G. followed by Judith R. Good morning, Amy. Hey, thanks. My name's Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. Sorry about saying my name 20 times. I was having trouble with my mute and unmute button. But anyway, so grateful to be on the line today. For me, the scariest words in this paragraph were suddenly and vaguely. You know, this whole suddenly thing, the thought crossed my mind. 
what are we looking at here? The mental state that precedes the first bite or the first drink of someone who is not recovered. And we've been talking the last couple of days over the paragraph about what's been going on with Jim. You know, there's been a lot of things going on with Jim. You know, he, he's got in the program, but, you know, not really enlarging his spiritual life. He, he had some issues with his, uh, you know, his boss. He's got to build up a human emotions. I mean, we've been talking about clearly what's been coming here. But Jim has no clue, as nor did I, in active addiction. You know, the thought suddenly, I could almost laugh if it wasn't so deadly serious about how cunning and powerful this disease is with the mental obsession and that queer thinking. You know, Jim had no clue. The thing, he's thinking suddenly this thought occurs to him. Well, why does the thought occur to him? Well, I didn't enlarge his spiritual life. He's got a buildup of human emotion, just like we've been talking about. But suddenly this thought crosses his mind. Well, we know now that, you know, a relapse or a slip doesn't just happen when we put the food in our mouth. The relapse happens way before that food gets picked up. At least that's my experience. And so this thought crosses his mind, and then his thinking says, well, okay, I'm going to put the whiskey in the milk because that suddenly comes into my mind. And then I vaguely sense that I was not being too smart. So there's no cause. There's no God in between that. It's, oh, vaguely sense that wasn't, ah, but what the heck. You know, it's going to be okay because I'm going to experiment again. And they say the disease is full of the three Ds, denial, delusion, and defiance. You know, he's deluding himself into thinking that this is a sudden issue and that there can be a new reason here. And we'll try a little willpower because it's an experiment. And, oh, it didn't really bother me, so I'm just going to keep on going and then pour another whiskey in the milk. And how many times have I done that myself? That's not a recovered state of mind. A recovered state of mind is what they talk about on page 84. It says, you know, we see fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If, if tempted, we will recoil as else from a hot flame because we react sanely and normally. That's what the 12 steps does when we work the 12 steps we then be able, are able to think sanely. But this is not where Jim is at, and neither was I, even my first five years in Overeaters Anonymous. I remember once walking down the food aisle and where the candy was, of course, what business did I have walking down the candy in the bulk food aisle, and trying to rationalize what used to be back then carob-covered peanuts, which of course had tons of sugar, but because it said carob, it didn't say sugar. It didn't say chocolate. So that was my rational aisle. That was my suddenly... And now as a recovered compulsive overeater, I can walk down that same aisle and fit spiritual condition, and there will be a thought that says, hey, that binge food wasn't around when I was eating. But then I'll think to myself, oh, yeah, that's brilliant, Amy, not. Time, please. And I'll wrap up by just saying, you know, recovered, not cured. It's what happens when those thoughts occur. And if they do occur, it doesn't mean that they won't. It's what we do after that, the difference between a recovered state of mind and one that is not. And I'm so grateful for this program that has saved my life, my thinking, my soul. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Amy G. So next up, Judith R., followed by Duke R. Good morning, Judith. Good morning, Kelly. Thanks so much for your service. Judith R. in Vermont, gratefully recovered. Suddenly. Yeah, we know. (laughs) We know about suddenly. And what we read yesterday fits in here he made a beginning his family was reassembled and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through his drinking so what 
I suddenly thought <laughs> is that his family was reassembled because of Bill and Bob and everything they told him. And then he began to work as a salesman. And what suddenly hit me was that, oh my God, because of doing steps, let's say one, two, and three, he, he, the, Bill and Bob helped him to get the job back, to get, even though he had once owned it, I think that they actually helped him to get this position. They helped him get his family back and they helped him probably, possibly, to get his job as a salesman. But he didn't, he probably didn't do four through nine, so he didn't know how to do a tenth step or he didn't know what to do when he got himself in that situation of being in the in the bar restaurant and i also had a friend many years ago who had an ulcer and whenever she wanted to drink whiskey she would put milk into her whiskey not whiskey into her milk but that's a thing it's a thing that people do people who drink know about that thing and with that i'll pass thanks Thank you, Judith R. Okay, so next up is Duke R. followed by Sandra S. Good morning, Duke. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, great. Um, Calling from Rhode Island. Uh, The way I was taken through the steps out of the big book is that it was broken down into 15 parts. Step one had two specific parts. The doctor's opinion, we have an allergy. If we put certain foods in our body, we trigger the allergy. Step one, part two was our life was unmanageable and the reasons why, which is our thinking, which is the chapter that we're reading now, the chapter more about alcoholism. And um, once my food plan was in place, and, um, you know, this is the very first part so that I can start to do the deep work later in four. And what earlier in this chapter talks about the illusion and the delusion, and the way that it was explained to me is that the illusion is that suddenly the thought crosses my mind that I think it, but the delusion is, that I believe that I can do this again. You know, um, yesterday they, you know, they uh, worked with him. They went over what happened. You know, he was restless, irritable, and discontented. He was pissed off. He's working for a company he once owned and it inherited. He didn't raise an effective spiritual defense. Um, and that comes from God. That comes from the deeper work. That comes from getting down to some really good step work and four where we effectively get down to causes and conditions. Um, but the steps were clearly broken down for me into 15 parts from the big book step study process, which the first 100 members used, which was uh, bbstepstudy.org. I did it in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. And, um, and basically, we have to continue to enlarge our spiritual life by working with others in 10, 11, and 12. And what happened for me is that the problem gets removed. You know, I feel safe. I'm protected. You know, if tempted, I recoil as if from a hot flame. But honestly, the thought doesn't really cross my mind if I'm spiritually fit and I'm in a place of neutrality. Um, you know, later in the in, in the text, it, you know, where it talks about working with others. An alcoholic meets these conditions every day. If they can't meet them, there's something wrong with their spiritual condition. So where I'm at with this reading is that we're still in step one on the second part, which is the reasons why, you know, um, our life is unmanageable, and it's because the thought crosses our mind. 
And it really gets down to constant vigilance is the price that I pay for my sobriety and my abstinence. And then the actions that I can actually take is when those thoughts cross my mind, I can pick up the phone, I can read some literature, I can get to a meeting and ask for help, and more importantly, connect with God, because that really is the solution, because this is a spiritual program that has a practical application to relieve my alcoholism and my eating disorder on a daily basis. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dugar. Next up, we have Sandra S., followed by Donna G. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. This is Sandra S. from Oklahoma. First, I'd like to say I'm so grateful for this program. It has saved my life. I am a newcomer. I have been, I'll be 90 days in OA as of July the 8th. I have managed to see a weight loss of 28 pounds. However, I am still going through uh, some of the delusional thoughts. Just the other night, I was preparing for the end of the day, and my mind said, it means that you can never, ever have a big piece of bakery cake ever again in your life. And the thought was so alarming to me. I didn't think that coming so far that I would have that thought or the fact that all I've got to do is realize over 90% of my family is gone due to this disease that we knew nothing about. And I find myself reading this, how many times I fooled myself saying, oh, ordering an extra large fry is not going to hurt. Besides, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow, which the gym never saw me probably for another six months. And so the thought of thinking, and as I spoke with my sponsor on yesterday and made her aware of my thought about the cake, she said to me, then that's the time to reach out and to read and most of all to pray to God because I had truly lost my mind over the years and years and years of making food my God and my comfort and grabbing and holding on because of the issues that I had encountered, being restless, being discontented and uh, not so sure, and now observing one of my characters that has come out, which is uh, self-deception. It's okay when somebody else deceives me, I guess, but when I deceive myself, self-deception is the worst of it. And so I watch what it is that I'm thinking. I'm walking very trepidatiously and precariously on this journey. And so I just want to thank each and every one of you who are now my family members to realize there were others out there like me because I couldn't understand myself. As a kid, I would cry out to God, why did you make me a fat little round brown girl? Why couldn't I be a slender little girl? I remember being in the Bibi Tart Cotillion at age seven, and I was the, the little cute girl with the really cute shaped legs, but she's just a little fat. So anyway, as I walk this journey, I'm grateful to OA, grateful to everyone, and Godspeed to everyone. With that, I will pass. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much, Sandra. Next up is Donna G., then we'll be opening up the lines again. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. Um, Thank you for your service. This is Donna G. I'm grateful to be recovered in Pennsylvania. And... Um, I read along this morning, which I normally don't do. I um, hadn't left the house yet. I'm usually um, listening uh, through Blue 
Foods, and um, I read along, and I've read this chapter many, many times, but um, something I didn't have underlined, which really shocked me and jumped out at me, was it um, in the last sentence, it didn't seem to bother me. Didn't seem to bother me. Um, I That really jumped out at me. Um, probably more on more on a broad level than in that moment. Um, thinking about it didn't seem to bother me. Um, of course, it didn't seem because, you know, the mind plays all these tricks, the, the, the mental twist, the, the phenomenon of crazy, you know, all these things sort of, um, they're cunning, they're baffling. Um, but on a broader picture, there's a lot of things that didn't seem to bother me when I um, was in the food. And um, even my weight never seemed to bother me. Um, I felt very free. I felt very um, comfortable and, and felt very sorry for people who cared so much about how big they were. Like, I'm, I'm okay with this. I love myself. Um, I don't know anybody has a problem. Um, didn't seem to bother me. Meanwhile, many, many diseases forming inside my body because of that weight. Um, didn't seem to bother me on any other level. I mean, why should anybody worry about anything else other than weight? And I'm not worried about weight. When meanwhile, it was affecting me spiritually, emotionally, mentally, on so many levels. I had become dead, really. I was a walking dead person, um, spiritually dead. And so um, I, I think that, for me, that's really what jumped out in this paragraph. And um, I just want to encourage the newcomers that um, I think what, one of the things that gets revealed, at least it did for me, is all these ways that it does bother us. It does, um, it does impact our lives, and we're not even aware of it. And in recovery, what happens is you start to see how your higher power mind happens to be God works um, to, to help you clean that up and to help you um, truly recover your life back. Um, so I just encourage you to keep coming if you're a newcomer. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Donna G., for your share. So... If you're now just just now joining us, we are on page 36 of the big book, second paragraph. It says, suddenly the thought crossed my mind. And just that one paragraph comments on that. And then if you haven't shared in the last couple of days and would like to, give me your first name and first initial of your last. Hi, I'm Connecticut. All I heard was something Connecticut. Chris <laughs> Who was G from Connecticut. Chris, Chris. G. Yeah. Are you okay. Carlisa C. Lynn S. Lynn S. Connie T. How are you? Hey, Connie. I heard somebody from New Jersey. Chris H. Chris Chris H. Chris. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Irene B. Irene B. Let's stop there, okay? So here's the lineup. If everybody can press star one so we can have a quiet meeting. Here's our lineup. Chris G, Carlisa C, Lynn S, Connie T, Chris H, and Irene B. So we start with Chris G, followed by Carlisa C. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, everybody. This is Chris G in Connecticut. Thank you for your service, and thanks for letting me share. Um, I'm just, I just want to acknowledge um, what, has, what has happened to me in recovery and working with others, um, how cunning and baffling this disease is and how I, just like Jim, how 
I am not aware of, of the thoughts, the buzzing in the background of my head that can lead me to a decision to break my abstinence or to act out in my character defects. And I had, you know, awakening this morning, I realized that because I've been working with my sponsees and carrying the message, my disease uses every ounce that it can to trigger my defects, such as arrogance, um, and and to create a you know a state of mind where you know okay I got this I got this and I can start resting on my laurels and and reviewing my my last few days I recognize that I've been quicker to lose my patience I've been quicker to be resentful I've been quicker to be in my fear about you know life circumstances i've been quicker to be judgmental and i you know have watched myself you know fall into that um and so i guess i just want to acknowledge that you know no matter where i am in my recovery that this disease is always with me it's always with me and the thoughts are there and I'm just so good at, as somebody said earlier, you know, lying to myself. Um, and so what I've come to realize is that I have to not only be entirely abstinent, but I have to be entirely working this program. And so in reviewing my actions, I realized, like, I have not been doing, and I think I shared this recently, enough in my Step 11. And I have not been going above and beyond in my recovery work. I've been resting on my laurels is what I'm noticing. Like I'm, you know, be, and because I'm talking the talk, my, that leads me to believe like, oh, I'm recovered. You know, I'm sharing the message. I'm making my calls. I'm, you know, trying to be of service to others. But I need to pump my muscles every single day that much more like always always conditioning Time, myself please. so that i can so that i can truly continue to work on my relationship with my higher power and know the truth so i just wanted to share that thank you for letting me share have a great day thank you christy next up carlisa c followed by lynn s good morning carlisa Good morning. Thank you for your service and your ability to catch our names. It's always so impressive to me. Um, I want to make a pitch for Keep Coming Back. Um, and I want to make it because of consequences of this dis-ease. Uh, we were told on page 31 that the people in our class, well, let me just speak for myself, my class will employ every form of self-deception and experimentation to prove myself an exception to the rule. And this is exactly what my brother Jim has done in these pages. Um, and, and he is in the process of recovery. And I want to just say the process of recovery may involve, for, for me and many others, relapse. You know, it, it does, I don't want to get into the language of whether we ever recover. I don't, it's, that's not, I'm just interested in people not killing themselves today um, with 
compulsivity, including myself. And I just want to say, you know, I just want to make a big pitch for just keep coming back. I want to tell myself that, and I want to tell everybody because it will sink in. You know, that I believe that and I have proof that I have met my higher power along the road of happy destiny many times and that God has done for me what I cannot do for myself. So just please keep coming back and I'll pass. Thank you, Carlisa C. Next up we have Lynn S. followed by Connie T. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Boy, this line in italics, I vaguely sensed I was not being any too smart, but blah, blah, blah. And I'm not relating it to the food right now. I'm relating it to my thinking about everything. My thinking about relating to others, my thinking about should I say this or that, should I do this or that, if I say this, this might be a problem, or I'm going, I'm walking out the door and my head's thinking and I'm about to do such and so, and I vaguely sense that I'm not being any too smart, but, and that but brings me to the part on page 59 where it says, we stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. That but is my signal to be at the turning point. I can either stop and pause and ask God for his care and protection with complete abandon, or I can go down my way. And that's the the most amazing gift I ever got in program. And of course, in the beginning, it was that the food was quiet. The obsession to eat was lifted. How could that be? I'd been thin a million times, but it was always white-knuckled thin. And I was always on the diet forever until I broke a shoelace or the car wouldn't store start or some insignificant thing, and that was it, and I was off to the races. So the food being down and the obsession to eat being lifted, what a miracle. But then I had to live life, and this is the gift of program. Working the steps, I learned how to live life, not on Lynn's terms, which are a disaster. Life's terms are better, but on God's terms, that's where I want to be. And this gives me that opportunity to work the program and to have God elevate my life from life's terms to God's terms. We are so blessed, and I'm so glad I got to read this today, and hopefully that's the path I'll follow today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lynn S., for your share. Next up, we have Connie T., followed by Pris H. Good morning, Connie. Good morning, Kelly, and thank you for your service and everybody else. I'm outside walking, so I hope that the traffic that's going by right now is not going to be too loud. You know... I spent decades, decades with this kind of thinking. But when I when I got into OA and when I started reading the story of Jim, and I thought, this is so ridiculous. How can he think this is okay? But when I look back at my history, oh, my gosh, the things I told myself, and I believed them. I believed them to the core of my being. For instance, I'm a big girl. I'm tall. I'm, I'm heavy. 
And I would think, well, a little Hershey miniature can't hurt. I mean, it's so little. Like, how can that little thing put more weight on this body? I mean, and I believed it. I thought, well, that's, that's what I'll do. I'll eat miniatures. I suffered with excruciating migraines for years. Some brought on, I'm sure, by the food. That was when I'd have that little thought, like, hmm, this might not be so smart. And I would be in such pain that I would sleep with my head in bags of frozen vegetables to freeze my head. Like it was the only relief, somewhat relief I could find. And as I'm laying there with a frozen head thinking, I will never eat that again. I will never do that again. This pain is so bad. I just want to die. The pain would eventually go away. And less than a week later, I'd be eating it again. But I'd be trying to think what I could do. Hmm, let me see. Maybe if I don't spread the peanut butter as thick, maybe if I put it on toast instead of bread. I knew that peanut butter and peanuts and chocolate were some of my allergic foods. I didn't know at the time that that's what we called them, but I knew they were causing my headaches. And I thought, well, I'll eat a chocolate chip cookie because there's only little pieces of chocolate. I won't ever eat a pure chocolate cookie. And then I'd be all self-righteous, like, I got this figured out. It was insanity, just like Jim. And even though those thoughts would come, and they came even after I got into OA and I got abstinent, at least according to the definition of OA, I still was trying to find the loopholes. Where can I? I know I can do this. Oh, here's a protein bar that has sugar listed as like the 10th ingredient. I mean, this protein bar has less grams of sugar in than an apple. Surely that's okay. I'm telling you, until I surrendered completely, 100%. I was a crazy woman. I was just crazy. And I am so, so grateful today to have surrendered everything, 100%. Not 90, not 95, even 99 on a good day. It didn't matter. It didn't avail me anything. I had to give it all up and realize what I am, who I am, and that I need God. And I had to, the ego had to be reduced big time. <laughs> even this morning before I shared my ego was going, you don't really need to share. You don't really need to hear that. And that's a form of ego. And I just thought, you know what? God's prompted me to share. I'm going to share. And I just really appreciate this meeting and everyone on the line and all your service. So thanks for letting me share. Have a great day, everybody. And I pass. Thank you so much, Connie, for your share. Let's see. Next up, Pris H. followed by Irene B. Good morning, Pris. Chris, press star one. Okay, thanks. I thought it was already unmuted. Uh, This is Chris H. recovering in New Jersey. I can't say that I'm recovered, but I'm recovering uh, from an addiction to certain foods as well as other things. Um, I've been coming to this meeting for just a couple of weeks, but um, actually have been in and then out and then in again away for 30, almost 32 years, uh, this meeting is so thought-provoking for me. Sometimes I argue with what I'm hearing, and sometimes I say, oh, yes, to what I'm hearing. Um, I like this reading this morning, um, as someone else pointed out, where it says, where Jim said, I vaguely sensed I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured. And that made me think about what reassured me was not a thought, but somewhere in the 
bottom of my brain the belief that if nobody knows, it doesn't count. If nobody sees me sneaking this food, eating this food, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. So I always ate um, slowly and thoughtfully at meals with other people, and then I did my binge foods in secret, sneaking and hiding um, those foods. And I heard somebody maybe a week ago in this meeting um, a share that just turned on a light bulb for me. She said something to the effect that, um, you know about muscle memory, she said that's like where a dancer rehearses a dance over and over and over and over and over again until they don't have to even think about it. They just have muscle memory for that dance and they're able to do it without thinking about it. And I'm not a dancer, but I but I've understand about muscle memory because my muscle memory had to do with those sneaking and hiding behaviors about my binge foods. And and I think that applies to Jim as well. He had muscle memory apparently for this um this tavern as he calls it, uh or bar in in the country because he said it was very familiar for I had been going to it for years. That's in the previous paragraph. So there were drive through places that were very familiar to me and there were um places where various binge foods were kept that were familiar to me. But I've been practicing the sneaking, hiding, and eating of binge foods for at least 70-plus years. I know I started doing that as soon as I was tall enough and big enough to get to stuff without somebody seeing me. Um, the homemade desserts, because there, weren't, there wasn't a lot of sugar around and not a lot of binge foods around in the 1940s when I was a child. So I Time, please. Thank you so much. Um, I just want to thank everybody for this meeting. Take care. Have a good day. Thank you, Chris H. Next up, we have Irene B. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much to everybody who provides service for this amazing meeting. This story, I am Irene B., a recovering bulimic from Louisiana. This story is one of my favorites, um, one of the stories in the AA book that I understood from day one, that it was just crazy and insane what people do. And here's Jim, who um, got up and had a bad day, was feeling a little irritated, and had words with the boss, but he pushed through it, no big deal, he can handle it. It's like, eh, don't pay any attention to that. And then he had this brilliant idea to stop at this place where he had eaten many times, but what he didn't take into consideration is that he was a little annoyed that morning, but he went in there anyway. And then he has this crazy idea, which to him makes perfect sense. Um, it's perfectly logical to him, although he thinks maybe it's not the best thing to do, but yeah, you know. So basically... What he's been doing, he's been ignoring the way he's thinking and feeling. He's just pushing everything aside. He's on automatic. He is in complete automatic self-reliance. He is just 
just blow, you know, just doing what he's always done and thinking nothing of it. It's no big deal. And then I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, you know, for me, if I were in his shoes by the time he gets into that bar, it's like, okay, that's the point of no return. You know, all better off. So for me, the way to handle the situation with hindsight is to take a look at what's going on with him. When he feels a little irritated, instead of dismissing it, he says, hmm, I'm feeling a little irritated. And, and 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 for me to engage God, it's like they say prayer and all that, and I don't know what that means. And then all of a sudden yesterday, it occurred to me that to me it means to say, oh, God, I'm irritated. Please let me think about this. Don't blow it off. Help me figure this out. What's going on here? Let's think about this. And then we try to figure it out, and we try to talk ourselves out of it. And if we can't, then we go to prayer. Okay, that would be one way of addressing it. You know, just nip it at the bud and avoid the buildup of human emotion. Because once the buildup of human emotion has happened, man, it's that obsession of the mind is powerful. You know, we're totally powerless over that obsession. But Time, please. Okay. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Irene B. <clears throat> and I have time for a two-minute share. Who would like to share? Nadia B. Nadia B. Yeah. Sorry, Larry. Thank you. Nadia B. is Thank up. So okay. Nadia B., grateful, recovered in Connecticut. Um, Jim's story or my story. Um, you know, Jim is cold, stone, sober, um, as I've been so many times. How many times I've done four steps and four through nine? Um, and, uh, you know, and, um, you know, I was sober. Um, Bill is not dealing with the first problem that we have with this disease, which is the physical allergy. He's sober. There's no alcohol in his body. What he's dealing with is a mental obsession. And unfortunately, our mental obsession and the solution we have for the mental obsession is not thinking. And he is thinking a lot. He says, I felt irritated, right? The obsession is there. What is the obsession? Is the, the obsession or the definition that I found is an idea or thought that continually preoccupies uh, and uh, intrudes on person's mind and dominates the mind in the way that all other ideas are shoved to the side. And so he's thinking that he's not thinking of drinking. Um, And that's the problem with us. We think that, you know, if we're not drinking, we're cured. How many times did I get burned that way? What is enlarging my spiritual, um, you know, how do I enlarge? my spiritual uh, fitness, uh, my spiritual life, 10, 11, and 12. Nowhere near, you know, it says where um, uh, Jim is enlarging anything, where he's doing his 10, 11, and 12. And so it is starting to him uh, that he is, um, you know, having this, this idea about his drinking. But it is not sudden in reality. And with that, I'll pass. My time's up. Thank you. 
Oh, my gosh, perfect timing. Thank you so much, Nadia B. Okay, well, thank you to everyone who shared. Wonderful meeting. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour study uh, immediately following our closing. So the share ID for today, um, June 27th, is 13087. 13087. So we will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer. Will Liz V. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hey, Liz, star one. Thank you. Thank you, Kaji. Thanks, everybody, for a great meeting. It's Liz, um, Liz V. in North Carolina. A book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.